Well, good evening. If uh, you'd like to get your Bibles out, get them out and turn with me over to the book of 1 John and the uh, the fifth chapter, 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, John says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. There's a, a similar statement that John had made previously in 1 John chapter 3, in verse uh, 22, when he said it this way, he said, And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Uh, tonight's uh, lesson comes from a, it's really a, a sermon series that I've been preaching. This is titled here on my piece of paper, Sermon Number 8. And I think I actually had some part ones and part twos in there somewhere along the way. So this is kind of wrapping up the end of of a a series on the book of 1 John. And and what we've been looking at in that series is all of these assurances, all of this, this confidence that John wants us to have, that he keeps writing to us about. And, And John has spent most of this book assuring us of all sorts of things. He's assuring us of our salvation, uh, assuring us that we know God. He's uh, trying to assure us that God knows us and that we abide in him and he abides in us and and all these things, trying to instill in us a a confidence or, or the confidence that we ought to have about our relationship with God. So John's doing all that, and he wants us to have all this confidence, wants you to have confidence in your relationship with God, yet look around. We don't see God. We don't hear God. We pray, we we talk to God, but he doesn't really answer us back, or at least not the way that we are accustomed to to being answered back. There's no immediate response to us from God. And I think that's what John is dealing with here in 1 John chapter 5. He's assuring us that that despite the way it appears, that God doesn't hear us, that God uh, is not listening, John is assuring us that God is hearing you, and God does listen. He cares for you, and he does answer your prayers. Whatever we ask, he says, we receive from him. And if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's the confidence that John wants us to have when we pray to our Father uh, in heaven. And that's the question I want to ask us this evening is do we have this kind of confidence when we pray? Do you have that kind of confidence in God when you pray to him, that you know he receives him, and you know that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you? Are we comfortable and are we confident in our conversations with God? 
You know, our, our prayers can become, uh, they can become very redundant and routine at times, very impersonal. Uh, I find myself praying often uh, just saying words, just saying words, just to say words. Anybody else kind of have that experience when you pray? Um, I, I like to pray. I like to walk when I pray. So a lot, there's good distraction, but it's also bad distraction sometimes. And I'll start to pray and, and I'm just words. These are just different prayer phrases that I use and I'm not paying any attention to them uh, and what they mean. And do I even want to be telling those things to God? They're just things I'm saying. I'm praying just to pray. And I think part of the reason that that is, is that I'm not really keen to the fact that I'm actually talking to God himself. If God were standing directly in front of me, my prayers would be totally different than many of the prayers that I often pray. Why is that? It's a lack of confidence. Lack of confidence that God is actually listening and involved in the conversation that I'm having with him. It often feels very one-sided. And that, that lack of confidence, it can come from lots of different places. I want to deal with just a few of them this evening. But I think, first of all, it's hard for us just to, to believe that God really chooses to, to be active in my life, that, that God really does care about my little issues. But then on the other end of that, I think there's another reason that uh, hinders our effectiveness in prayer and our confidence in prayer, and that is that I think deep down, many of us just really don't need God. Oh, we'd like to have God in control of our lives. We'd like to have him intimately involved in the details of them. But when it comes down to it, we really don't need him to. After all, we all got, most of us anyway, good jobs, good health, good friends, retirement plans, all those things. Do we really need God? And so I want to deal with those two problems mainly, and then we'll wrap it up with a third one. Uh, but let's go back to that first little issue there, the, the issue that oftentimes we just don't believe that God cares. We don't believe that God is truly active in our lives and responding to our prayers in that way. I think most of us believe, of course, that he can. Uh, and I'm not saying that many of us battle with that. There may be a few of you. Most of us, we believe that God can um, be active in our lives. The, the problem is often we just don't believe that he will be. Um, and I think that's really the case. That's the issue that John is tackling here in 1 John chapter 5. You don't believe that God hears your prayers? Uh, maybe you think that you're not important enough to God? Well, God does hear your prayers, and you are important to him, but, but it's not because of your importance. It's not because of who you are. It's because of who Jesus is. It's because of your relationship with his son. And if we back up to verse 11 here in 1 John chapter 5, we notice kind of what he's been talking about. Uh, verse 11, he says that this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. These things, he says, I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue 
to believe in the name of the Son of God. Yeah. If it was just about you, God probably would not be very concerned with the minor details of your life. But John is writing to Christians. John is writing to people whose lives are not about themselves. That's who we are as Christians, isn't it? Those who have been buried with Christ uh, through through baptism into death. Uh, We have been raised with Christ in a newness of life. Colossians chapter 3 tells us that our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. Uh, Christians are people who no longer live for themselves. So it's not all about them. They live for him. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15 tells us. And so when our lives are being lived for that purpose, then we can have confidence that God is most definitely concerned with the details of a Christian's life, someone who's living for him. Everything that you do affects your ability to live for him. You ever thought about that? Everything you do. It affects whether you are serving him well or serving him not well. Your problems, your concerns, if you are living for him, they're his problems. and They are his concerns. That is, of course, if you are living uh, not for yourself, not for your benefit and your interest, but you are, in fact, living for him and for his interest. And that's the point, the other point that John points out here, if you notice there in verse 14. That little phrase that he throws in there, that it is if... We ask anything according to his will. I want us to focus on that little statement for just a moment. Anything according to his will. Because I think when we read that sometimes, we think, uh, or at least I do, I think, when I'm I'm praying and I'm asking God all these things that I want to ask him, I've got all of my requests for him, uh, And then I had this little phrase in the back of my mind, anything according to his will. And I almost immediately say, after I'm done with my prayer, that whatever I just asked, that's probably not according to his will, right? And so I want us to think a little bit about that statement. I want to think about what are things that are according to God's will? Um. I didn't, uh, couldn't figure out how to do this in fancy PowerPoint way, so uh, we're going with the old whiteboard here, and I want to get a little bit of participation from you uh, this evening as we think about what is God's will? Um, what is God's will for your life? What are the things that God wants you to be doing with your life? Think about some of those things. Biblically speaking, what, what does God want us to be doing? We're just going to list a few of them up here. Obedience. Obedience. What else? I have no other gods before you. No other gods. That can be lots of things, can't it? Lots of things we can make a God over our God. What else? Sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. We'll call that maybe evangelism, right? 
the video is to be doing? exhaustive list. I just want us kind of, because we're going to reference some of these things, and keep in mind, yeah, that's not a exhaustive list, an exhaustive list, uh, but, but this is the, the general idea of the things that are we are supposed to be doing with our lives. These are the things that God wills for us to be doing. These are the things that are according to the will of God. And I want to suggest to you this evening that, that if you're doing these things, and I don't just mean like whenever you get an opportunity. Uh, we like to do that one a lot with this serving others, right? I'll serve others when I, when I get a chance, right? Um, but but if we're, we're doing these things, every day we're waking up and, and these are the things that we are striving to do. These are the things that we are making plans to do. Uh, in fact... Just to mention it, we don't want to go into that, but this is my sermon number eight in this series. John already dealt with that in chapter three when he talks about our need to make a practice of doing righteousness. Uh, There are things that we make preparations for and plans for to do these sorts of things. And if that's what your life is about, if that's what you are striving to do every day in your life, you are striving to do these things, then you have every reason to expect God to be concerned and involved in all of the details of your life. I think the question is, is, are these the things we're striving to do in our life? And if these are not the things that I'm waking up every day and trying to do, Maybe I can't expect God to hear those prayers, God to hear the the petitions. But if I'm doing these, I can rest assured that he is listening and he is concerned. And then there's that other reason I want to go back to, that other reason that kind of stifles our confidence in prayer. And I think that is our our lack of dependence upon God. The problem that when it gets down to it, we just really don't need God. Um, and so, because of that, um, our prayers aren't very real. Um, as I mentioned before, we, we've got jobs, we've got health, most of us, we've got good friends, family, retirement plans, we've got restaurants, we've got grocery stores, 
We've got life insurance, health insurance, car insurance, house insurance. Uh, I think we even have, yeah, we even have a life after death insurance. What do they call that? We have, we have backup plans for our backup plans. And so for us, everyday prayer is often not something that we really need to do. Prayer just becomes another thing that we have to do. Just another thing that good Christians do, right? Good Christians pray. And so we pray, as I mentioned at the beginning, we pray just to pray. Just saying words, because we know that's what we're supposed to be doing. But that's not what prayer is meant to be. Prayer is not some ritual that we perform for God. Uh, Prayer is the avenue, avenue that we get to use to communicate our needs to God. Looking again there at verse 15, and we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him, the petitions or the requests that we have made. And that's what prayer is all about, making requests to God. Prayer is is not some duty. It's an awesome privilege that we have, a time when we get to ask God for the things that we need in our lives, help, answers, Wisdom, guidance, all of these things. But first, we've got to actually need God. I think that's why Jesus began that great sermon that he preached on the mountain in Matthew chapter 5 with, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the the needy. Um, That word that Jesus uses there in Matthew chapter 5 for poor Uh, It's a word that describes a a beggar. It's uh, defined as being lowly, helpless, poor, needy. And so when Jesus talks about those who are poor in spirit, he's talking about those who, who recognize their helplessness, those who are willing to come to God and to beg of God. I might offer this, that Those who are truly poor in spirit, they don't see God or see prayer as an obligation or a duty to perform. They see prayer as a necessity. They pray to God because they need God. I want you to turn over to the book of John, the the gospel of John in the fifth chapter. I want us to read something there in John chapter 5 that Jesus says that I find very, very interesting. John chapter 5 and verse 30, Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own, but my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. We'll read that one more time. I can of myself do nothing. Jesus Christ said that. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. You know, I would think of Jesus to be a pretty self-sufficient, very independent sort of guy. Uh, after all, he is he's the son of God. You would think that that Jesus would only need the Father for the really big stuff. But Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. 
Now think about it. If anyone, if anyone understood the limitations of human existence, if anyone understood how truly helpless and truly dependent upon God that we are, humans are, for everything, it would be Jesus. And Jesus was here on this earth experiencing some of those limitations, but he was here also with a mission and with a purpose. And that purpose that he had was with his father. So everything that Jesus did, Jesus included the father. Every step Jesus took, every word Jesus spoke. And that's not much different than our existence here. We are here with a mission and with a purpose that we also have with God and with Jesus. So every step we take, every word we speak, needs to include him and his involvement. I think that's why the Apostle Paul encourages us so much to be constant and continuous in our prayers Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, he tells us that we need to be constant in prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, after he talks about putting on the, the whole armor of God, at the end of that, he says that we need to be praying at all times in the Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said it simply, pray without ceasing. Why? Why do we pray constantly and at all times and without ceasing? It's because we, as Jesus, can do nothing. We can do, can't do anything without God. We're always doing stuff, right? We need to be praying constantly. We need to be talking to God about everything in our lives. Talk to God about what you're going to have for breakfast. It's important to God. Talk to God about when you're going to eat breakfast. Talk about him whatever you're doing. We need him to be involved in all of those things because those things, they affect these things. But I want to turn our attention, though, in regard to prayer to especially these things. Especially in regard to those things, we need to be in prayer about them. Uh, When you're doing these things, we're serving others. we're, We're striving to increase in knowledge and wisdom and faith. We're, we're trying to, to share the word with others. When we're doing all those sorts of things, if we truly want to be successful in them, you want to serve your brethren successfully, you want to serve them well, uh, you want to evangelize, you want to preach the gospel, you want to do that well, then you're definitely going to need God for those things. Those are his things. Those aren't your things. I think we think of stuff like that. Uh, we think of these things as stuff that we do for God. But that's not exactly the case. These are things that God does through us. And so they were going to require lots of requests, lots of petitions to God. You know, I'm convinced that, uh, that if we want an effective evangelism strategy, It's not more ideas and planning that we need. That's kind of the way my mind works. I'm a big planner. I like to plan everything out and come up with, you know, why isn't this working? Let's do it this way. And we think about evangelism in those terms a lot, and really any of these things up here. But uh, 
I've thought about it in evangelism lately. That, you know, th- th- that's good, right? We need to plan. We need to have some ideas. We need to think of what exactly we're going to go out there and do. But let us not dismiss the power of prayer. You think of something like evangelism. God is heavily invested in the work of evangelism. Tell him what you're trying to do. Let him be the, the author of these things. A little example for you. Uh, since he's gone, I'll mention it. But we had had a little community Bible study that we were doing here a while back. And we were supposed to go and invite people to uh, to come. And we didn't do it. I don't remember why we didn't do it. But we didn't do it. And so it's kind of like, oops. Uh, we've got this Bible study planned. We didn't invite anybody to come. I guess we'll just do it anyway, right? And so we, we go and we have this little community Bible study that we didn't invite anybody to. But Jesse Sisko, being Jesse and doing Jesse things, he prayed. He prayed on his way to that Bible study that God would send us someone. What do you think happened? Somebody showed up. Imagine that, huh? We prayed. And God delivered. Uh, That's the way it ought to be. It's just simple. Simple. Trust God. Trust his power. In his way, not only is it it simpler and is it more powerful, it's just better. Can you imagine about all these sorts of things that we ought to be doing according to his will? Imagine what God would do through us if we would just start doing that. Asking, trusting, waiting on our God. I want to bring you to one other problem I believe we have in our, or that hinders, I guess, our effectiveness in prayer. And that is that we're, we're focused sometimes in the wrong direction. We're focused too much inwardly and not enough outwardly. If you've turned away in your Bible, please turn back to the book of 1 John and the fifth chapter. And I want us to look at what John says we ought to be praying for. What are these petitions? What are these requests that we are making of him? And I want us to read again there. We'll start in verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. In verse 16, he says, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, He will ask, and he, God, will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. The promise that John gives here, that God hears our prayers, the promise that we have these petitions that we have asked of God, John says that promise is assurance that when we pray for one another, that God will Respond. Interesting. James said something very similar similar in James chapter 5 when he tells us that we need to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He says the effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, That prayer of that righteous man avails much, not for himself necessarily, but for the people that he's praying for. When we think about the will of God for us, most of these things in this list, 
serving. I, I knew there was one I forgot to write down. Loving, loving our enemies, loving one another. Uh, but, but those sorts of things, serving each other, loving one another, spreading the gospel, all of those sorts of things, what do they all have in common? Others, and not me. Those are things that I do for other people. God's will, God's purpose for my life is that I spend it in service to others. And so if I'm praying according to that will, then my prayers will be aligned with that purpose. The focus of my prayers, it should be no different than the focus of my life. Focused upon you. Focused on others. And I'm not suggesting, of course, that we don't pray for ourselves at all. And I don't think that's what John is suggesting here either. It kind of helps us out. We look at Paul in Philippians chapter 2. He said something very similar when he said, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Uh, we do have our own concerns. We do have needs for ourselves that we need to look to God to fulfill. To uh, fulfill. And so to pretend that we're not going to ask for ourselves at all, uh, that might be a little bit disingenuous. But, but in this life that we are living and in our prayers that we are praying, though we do have needs, we do look to God to fill them. We are seeking to turn that focus as much as we can away from ourselves to where our, our deepest desires are really for the work of God, for the people of God. And so much of our prayers, much of our confidence in prayer is hindered because we're focused in the wrong place. Focused on me when we ought to be focused out here. Let me ask you a question as we kind of wrap it up this evening. If you did that, not only just in your, your um, what you're doing, you serving others, but, but you turned your prayers that way too. That you just you prayed for all of the people around you. Prayed for your spouse, you prayed for your coworkers, for your employer, for your classmates, for, for, for all the people in your life. And then you've also put your energy into those people as well. And God, according to his promises, began to answer those prayers for those people in your life. He was blessing the lives of all the, the people around you, everyone that you loved. What do you think your life would be like? It would be a pretty good life, wouldn't it? I mean, everybody around you is living, uh, is being blessed by God. It reminds me of, of, of Solomon's example. Remember King Solomon when when the Lord appeared to Solomon and he said, you know, ask and, and I'll give you, uh, ask, what shall I give you? And, and Solomon, of course, could have asked for, for anything. Could have asked for uh, riches and, and glory and all of that. But instead, he asked the Lord for wisdom. He asked the Lord for understanding to be able to properly govern God's people. First Kings chapter three, it was that it says that please the Lord. That Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself, long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but that he'd asked for wisdom to do what is right. 
the Lord gave him wisdom, the wisdom that he asked for, but he also gave him, the, the, uh, the scriptures tell us that the Lord told him, I give you also what you have not asked. He gave him both riches and honor and, uh, so that he was as no other king that would compare for him, compare to him. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which leads to death, he will ask and he will give him life or give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. Do we have that kind of confidence in our prayers to God? Understand, first of all, that your needs do matter to God. How you spend every moment of your day is important to God if you're doing those things. Remember that you do need God. We think we don't need God. Well, we never say that out loud, but we actually do think it. We think that our retirement plans got us. Our insurance policies got us. Right? Grocery store, they're never going to run out of toilet paper, right? We do need God. Jesus needed God. That, Jesus could have made the groceries if he wanted to, but he needed the Father. And we frankly, we just need to turn most of our focus away from ourselves. We need to put it where it belongs, on other people, on the work of God. And if that's our life, uh, then we can have these assurances, these promises uh, that are given to us in the Scriptures. hope I've encouraged you to that uh, this evening, uh, encouraged you in your faith. If you, uh, if you are not living by faith uh, this evening, and you have... Uh, been way too inwardly focused, and there is sin in your life. There's those sorts of things in your life. It's not the end of the world. That's what Jesus is all about. Uh, he's all about forgiveness. He's all about mercy. He wants you to have this relationship with him where you can pray to him, and he, he can bless you with these things. He wants that with you, but sin, that, that keeps us from that. And so, if that's your story this evening and you need to get your life right with God so that you can have these sorts of assurances, you can have these promises in him, right now is the time that we offer you to, to do that and to get help from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Get help from us in, in making your life right with God. And if we can help you do that tonight in any way, all you have to do is come forward as we all stand and as we sing. Oh,